Hello, and welcome to the Block Solid Podcast, where we talk about the evolution of the property market, the newest technologies that enhance and revolutionize the world of real estate as we know it, and how we, the owners, the buyers, the renters, the investors, the entrepreneurs, and the marketers can benefit from it all. I'm Yael Tamar, co-CEO and co-founder of SolidBlock, pioneer in real estate tokenization, and I'd like to welcome my friend Moti Peer, who is widely known as the leading cryptocurrency PR expert and my special guest on today's episode. Hey Moti, how are you? Hi Tamar, I'm doing very well and thank you for having me. Absolutely. You know, we haven't seen each other in a while, so I figured... That's right. Well, with all the lockdowns and the COVID situation... It is no surprise, but I'm happy that we finally get to connect again. Absolutely. You know, if we don't bump into each other at a conference, you know, might as well get you on a podcast. Right. (laughs) Well, hopefully, you know, life will be restored to some sort of normality this year. I'm I'm really hopeful. Yeah, me too. I was invited to two conferences so far, one in South Africa and another one in the Maldives. So we'll see. Until now, only Emirates. We're brave enough to host offline conferences, but I'm happy to see that other countries have picked up the baton. Awesome. So we'll talk about the Emirates in a minute. That's an interesting topic. So let me mm-hmm. give our listeners a little bit of overview on your bio. Experienced chief executive officer with a demonstrated history of working in the public relations and communications industry, Moti is skilled in entrepreneurship, marketing strategy, digital marketing, and social media. He is a strong entrepreneurship professional with an MBA focused in finance and economics. He is one of the most revered people in the PR for crypto. In fact, Moti has been invited to many, many conferences of which I've also been a part of talking about anything related to crypto and blockchain, his expertise in PR. He's leading the Reblonde Tech PR Agency with three divisions, public relations, social media, and events. Amongst his current and past clients are Waze, Intel, Spotify, Viber, JFrog, and Deutsche Telekom. Reblond has established itself as a leading PR firm for the digital currency industry, having represented over 300 crypto companies, including Waves, Bancor, Searing Labs, Status, IAM, Celsius, Fusion, WePower, and the government of Malta. Have I missed anything, Moti? No, that's right Right on target. Of course, you know, there are a bunch of other names that you didn't mention, but yeah, that's a good description. Thank you. Fast forward 10 years, you had a few great successes and you always pick industries that are on the rise, right? So I know that Ayelet started her own thing in Germany called Slice Brand and you rebranded as Reblonde. But at the end of the day, everyone in the industry knows you, Moti, as a dynamic blockchain PR god. In fact, our paths crossed like I said, at a, quite a few conferences. How do you always stay on trend? How do you pick the industries you go after? And what should we expect from Reblonde? All right. So the first thing that you should know about us is the fact that the agency was founded 15 years ago, back in 2006. And that means that we had a very, very long time to form and then nurture our relationships with the various media outlets and journalists. As you may know, PR starts and ends with relationships. Obviously, we have those in place. And now we're able to leverage and capitalize on it for the benefits and, you know, to achieve the goals of our clients. Now, early 2017, I have discovered the potential of us helping crypto and blockchain companies. So I made a move on it and established a unit dedicated to their needs. We called it Blockchain. 
I literally diverted our best people into that department. I also hired a couple of Bitcoin maximalists from the outside in order to instantly inject the necessary knowledge into the agency. I believe you know one of them, Sharon. And then we kept on doing what we're already doing for over a decade, and that's top-notch technology PR. The only thing that we had to add into the mix of things was the crypto vertical, and I will touch on that in a minute or so. So very, very quickly, we find ourselves working with some of the top names in the sector. You mentioned a few. I can go on with at least like Haven from Australia and Fusion from China and many, many other names. And we helped them raise over $2 billion in ICOs, STOs, IOs. Obviously, most of it was during the heyday of crypto, you know, 2017 and 18. But we have a lot of experience. We're currently working with a couple of dozen crypto projects. Some of them are super exciting, like Trust Token and Realio, which is also a real estate tokenizing project, Liquid Apps from Israel, and a bunch of others. So the question was, how do I always stay on trend? So I have another story for that. Now, you know, there are some visionaries such as Elon Musk and Steve Jobs and these amazing people can look like 20 years into the future and come up, invent all kinds of futuristic technologies like iPhones and iPads and Apple Watch and Teslas and SpaceX, which can fly to space and then land on a specific ramp. Unfortunately, I don't possess that skill. And I don't think that I will ever will. But what I can do, let's say, look uh, three months into the future. And that's all that is necessary with PR. How do I do that? I work with a bunch of startups for a long time now. And I can hear they're whispering below the ground. I read the press, very good friend with a bunch of journalists. So I can pretty much know what will happen in the next quarter. And that actually helped us throughout the year to do all those pivots and come up with ideas which help us do things before the competition and allowed us to stay on edge. And this is how we established VRPR department back in 2015 before everyone else. And this is how I was able to form Blanchine just a little bit before everyone else and do the appropriate SEO and put ourselves on track to capture a sizable chunk of market share. So this is how I go about it. Will I possess this skill forever? I hope so. So far, it's been pretty profitable and smart for us. So basically, this is your ability to stay on trend by kind of getting on the wave before it comes. Very similar to surfing, right? You're kind of looking back, you're looking back and you're seeing when it comes and then you start paddling before you get on the wave. Because if you don't, you're just going to stay behind. And I love this analogy. I just came up with it. Never thought of it before, but I'm going to use it from now on. So I think that's what successful PR is really about, right? Not only, obviously, in being successful as a company to get all the new clients in the up-and-coming industry that's about to blow up, right? Sometimes, I guess, you might have bet on the wrong industry that never materialized, you know? Oh, that happened as well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we all know what turned out with VR. So it was much of startup porn, but at this point, it looks like the technology will do just as good as 3D TV did. Hopefully, they will come around and fix it and make it more usable for a crowd. But right now, it seems like a miss. But it's important, even you know, if you're a service provider, even if you're a peer agency like myself, to be able to have quick iteration and quick decisions, not to stuck, not to stick with what's not working for you, but rather pivot quickly and move on to what works for you and create the appropriate business. Understood. So what is new? What is the newest trend after blockchain or within blockchain? 
Well, right now we're focusing on technology in general. We have a bunch of companies in the life sciences area. Uh -huh. uh, for example, Zebra Medical Vision, headed uh -huh. by Al Gura. We're working with them literally since inception. Some good drone company like Aerobotics. We're helping them with their current uh, IPO. A few more names in the life sciences space uh, would be Envision Medical, another company which is going uh, IPO. Imagine, Trima Diabetics, a bunch of AI companies. I truly believe in AI. I think that the future is going to benefit a lot from what this specific area has to offer. And of course, crypto and blockchain. Now, I would say that currently about one third of our portfolio of client is comprised of uh, crypto and blockchain companies. But since Bitcoin has risen so much this year, I see an influx of companies that actually we work with in the past. Like a good name for that will be Invictus Capital mm -hmm. from uh, South Africa. That's a blockchain fund. They came back working with us after two years hiatus and some new names as well. That is amazing. That's so encouraging. Yeah. So your client makeup is one third blockchain and crypto compared to, you know, industry makeup. In 2018, I did a lecture on blockchain crypto and I saw in Israel it was 20%. Blockchain crypto at the height was 20% of the companies in Israel. And that was one of the highest and, yeah. you know, your percentage of clients from that industry is much higher, which either testifies to the fact that you specialize in that industry or maybe there's much more PR in that industry. What do you think? First of all, just to respond to what you said, I believe that most of the companies that you met back in 2018 got wiped out. A bunch of them succeeded, like uh, Celsius and a few others, but most of them no longer exist. As far as our portfolio it will fluctuate. 2019, for example, was very weak in uh, crypto. You know, we were in the midst of uh, crypto winter. So obviously, most of those companies didn't have the funds to pay a PR retainer. Also, they didn't have too much, you know, incentive or too many things going for them that they will need the PR. So back then, I would say that we, you know, shrunk our blockchain and crypto portfolio to about 7 to 10%. But now it's on the rise again. Yeah, very cool. All right. So with over 15 years experience in PR, you must have seen some very large changes in public relations, especially right. with introduction of blockchain, perhaps, or at least timeline wise. So what are the most drastic changes that you've seen in PR? And what would you say is the most transforming event in PR? I think that the most significant change in PR is the fact that the digital revolution arrived to PR as well. PR is still considered, and if you look it up in uh, Wikipedia, as a mean, as a tool to shape the public's opinion. And that still stands. However, if 30, 50, 70 years ago, all you had was print media and TV, now you have the social networks, and now you have uh, the digital editions of the newspaper and a bunch of other channels that you can utilize and still consider PR because there is no difference between the version of the New York Times and the digital version of the New York Times. You can still you know, utilize it to shape the public's opinion. So I think that the most significant change was the fact that digital came in and affected uh, all of us. Now, I am a great believer in a system, a marketing system called PESO, just like the Mexican currency. I don't know if you heard about it before, just for your listeners, I will explain. So the PESO is comprised of four main pillars. P stands for paid media, and that's everything that you actually pay to get impressions. So it could be Facebook ads, Google ads, all those annoying banners, you know, that are disrupting our internet surfing habits. 
the pre-roll, the post-rolls, up-ups, and whatever. The E of the peso is earned media, which is what I do. You take a story, you write it from a most interesting angle, then you approach a person who already created for himself sort of a brand notoriety, and that could be Robert Scoble, which you mentioned, or, uh, I don't know, Jordan Quirks from uh, TechCrunch. And then you approach him or her, usually with a personal relationship that you already formed with them, and you're telling them, hey, Robert, I have a story, which I believe is going to be interesting and suitable for your readers. How about you cover it? And if it did, you earned it, hence earned media. So that's the E of the peso. Now, the S of the peso is shared media, you know, the social media networks that we discussed before. And the O is own media, which is basically everything that you, your brand, your startup, are owning. So it could be your website, it could be your blog, it could be your mobile app, should you have one, it could be the newsletter that you're distributing once a month or the mail blast that you're sending uh, twice a month. Now, the idea is to have all these pillars working for you and working in synergy. Now, let me explain to you how I see the flow of this particular method called the PESO. So let's say that you or your PR agency, me, worked super hard and we got TechCrunch writer for you. And that's absolutely fantastic because TechCrunch is being read by 24 million people on a monthly basis. And that's fantastic, as they said. But, you know, realistically, about 400,000 people are going to read that TechCrunch write-up about you. So what do you do now? And this is why the PESO is going to be so effective for you. So now I'm going to recommend to you, how about you take that TechCrunch write-up and post it and your website under the press section. From now on, whoever is going to visit your website are going to see the TechCrunch actually covered it. And then I'm going to recommend to you to take that TechCrunch write-up and post it over your social channels. And if you already created the community for yourself, a few hundred people, or hopefully a few millions of people, they're going to see that you got covered by TechCrunch. And then I'm going to ask you, recommend to you to take a small budget and create a targeted campaign within Facebook or Google or take a couple hundred of dollars and upload Tabula or Outbrain campaign. And then you go to Tabula and you're going to say, hey, Tabula, take this TechCrunch write-up and also post it in MSNBC, CNBC, and Bloomberg. And all of a sudden, this TechCrunch write-up, which was read by 400,000 people, is opening to a potential crowd of 350 million people. So this is, I think, the most significant change I preach. Much more integrated, this approach. Sort of a holistic solution. Mm-hmm. PR is not to stand by alone by itself, but rather be a part of a more holistic solution, which is the PESO. Yeah. So it seems like the word PR itself, or the acronym PR, meaning rebranding. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk to you about the Emirates. You know, you're in Israel and Tel Aviv. And so I'm also in Israel at the moment. But, you know, we are all so excited about this peace deal just because, you know, we want to be open, kind of getting out of this Middle Eastern closet and relationships. And now we can just go out and say, we're friends with the Emiratis. But you went further and you were one of the first companies in the space to actually make a real relationship there with a company called Whitewater PR, I believe, right? Um, That's right. Let, yeah. me, let me correct you here. But we were actually the first Definitely. Israel company to officially sign an agreement with an Emirate company. Because until that, you know, specific day, all Israeli and Emirate company will go through different companies that were registered specifically for that in places such as Cyprus and so forth, because it was illegal until that point. Got it. Now, why did we do it? For two reasons. First of all, because as I told you before, the idea is to look a little bit into the future 
and perceive what's going to work. And newsjacking is part of our business. And we understood that if we're going to do this quick enough, we're probably going to get a lot of press. And we like press. This is how we make a living. And second, because we saw a huge potential for an untapped market for us. So we quickly came up with the guidelines as to our partnership, basically across client referral, which is working very well for us. It's almost for half a year now. So we're actually getting some nice business from a friend who's leading Whitewater. And quite a few of our companies are getting publicized in the Emirates right now, including INX and Truckimo and a bunch of others. And everybody's super happy about that deal. But for me, the most significant move was not to allow our clients to get publicized in the Emirates, but rather get press around the deal. And it worked for us very, very well. Yeah. Especially. Since, uh, you know, we rebranded our company and we needed that at that specific point. You needed your name to be kind of shouted from all the rooftops in the UAE. Yeah, and they were. I was there, I think, when I heard. Very, very cool. Yeah, so tell me, what are some major challenges Reblond faces and faced when it started servicing blockchain companies and challenges that you're still facing? Yeah, so obviously regulation, which is still a challenge for the sector. And that was hampering the ability of our clients to operate freely. And that obviously affected us as well. The insufficient, how should I put it, way to move, maneuver and operate within the conventional financial system is also very problematic, at least initially, because many of the banks that I'm familiar with, at least here in Israel, are not going to accept money which was sourced out of crypto business. And that's still a challenge. And third, as I told you at the beginning of the conversation, PR starts and ends with relationships. Obviously, the crypto vertical was completely new back in 2017. So we had to form a new set of relationships with the crypto writers. Now, that was not a challenge. I mean, many nice people are working in this particular vertical sector. I'm sure that we have common friends there like Rachel and others. But once, you know, we had the solid grasp of it, things went smooth for us and our clients benefited as well. Awesome. Yeah. I think that these challenges are kind of industry-wide and, you know, we're as a blockchain startup, we definitely are aware of regulation, but for us also regulation kind of presents an opportunity at each challenge also presents an opportunity and, you know, same thing definitely happens with COVID and same thing happens with relationships. But one thing that you more specifically excel at excel in is relationships and being able to overcome challenges and kind of yeah, put them in your advantage, right? As an industry leader. So those things work well for people like you and also companies like ours. We're able to do that too. So talk to me about Realio. That's your real estate tokenization client. And in general about tokenization of real estate, what are your thoughts on the industry and what you're seeing there? First of all, I think that it's a magnificent concept. I was first introduced to it not by a real estate project, but rather a VC. So we were actually handling the first so-called described first STO ever. That was Spice VC, yeah. headed by a couple of my friends, Ami and Talib Yashiv. And they were tokenizing a VC with the idea is that, you know, investing in a VC is quite challenging. You have to be an accredited investor. There is a minimum amount which you have to allocate and then liquidating your position is relatively impossible because you're locked in for 12 years. So they came up with the idea of tokenizing VC, mainly allowing people to invest small sums 
to democratize, then, right, investment in startups. Right. And now I see it in real estate. And I think that it's, it's amazing because, you know, everybody should have a chunk invested in real estate. But if you're going to buy a, an office or an apartment or a property, it's probably too expensive. And then you're going to be locked in for a very long time because it's not easy to buy and sell. So once you tokenize it and it's trading freely, you have more flexibility to buy, to tap into that sector without a very, very long time, long-term commitment. So I think it has a lot of potential, probably a lot of regulation hurdles, probably more than the usual crypto project. But I see quite a few projects succeeding in it, including yours. Well, I appreciate that, Moti. I definitely believe in industry, but I think that our vision, you know, probably Realio as well, and just the tokenization companies, we understand that tokenization is just the very beginning. And it's kind of like when you first had a bank, you know, you're like, oh, we can put money in the bank now. You know, is that enough? No, that's not enough. It's good that your money is now secure <laughs> and is stored somewhere, but now you can have access to services like credit cards and mortgages, and you can invest in assets, just so many things. So now you can have either real estate or you can have equity. You can have things in, stored in a digital format in a either semi-decentralized and hopefully in the future, completely decentralized way. And now you have access to a variety of centralized or decentralized services. Now, the centralized services you kind of can understand, right? You know, loans and, and asset investing and collateralization. And then what I'm really looking forward to seeing is what are going to be these decentralized services? Kind of, I want to see the flying cars. I want to see the SpaceX of the, you know, I kind of get bored of seeing the same thing over and over. So please, if you or anybody else in the audience or in your industry, Moti has any ideas, you know, I'm jealous of you, how you get to work with so many other startups. You know, I used to consult startups and it was like knowledge, you know, reverberating off of me all day long. But now that I have my own startup, it's a different kind of fun. It's kind of like having a baby. You kind of forget about all the other babies in the round, you know? I remember that you actually did a very good job consulting. We had some uh, common clients. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so that was fun. So now if you have any pearls of wisdom, do give me a call every once in a while and I want to hear the, the gossip. Yeah. You can count me to do that. <laughs> cool. All right. So do you see any major differences between marketing for standard tech companies and blockchain companies? Maybe the audience? Like, Give me some examples. Yeah. So first of all, we're still utilizing the same uh, venues and the same you know, systems as we're doing with any other companies. However, here you have uh, specific dedicated channels that you can utilize. And it could be Reddit, it could talk. The industry is actually preferring to use Telegram over other chat options. And you have to be on top of things. You have to be aware that they exist. You have to know how to operate within these particular venues. And if you know, then you're going to reap the rewards. Awesome. So where is the audience for the blockchain industry and how has it matured or changed in the recent years? Right. So that's evolving all the time, believe it or not. And I see that you can reach out to quite a few crypto holders through uh, TikTok. And this is something that you could not even think about a couple of years ago. Most people that are interested in crypto, and I don't care if they have uh, half uh, Ether in their wallet or they have a huge uh, VC investing in uh, crypto and blockchain, or with the crypto media. So obviously it will be Cointelegraph, Coindesk, Bitcoin Magazine, Merkle, the Black, and the rest of them. And this is why it's very important to have a proper relationship there. 
know the journalists, understand which type of stories they're going to like and likely to cover. And this is how we operate. Great. What would you say has been one of Reblon's biggest achievements in the blockchain space? I think our biggest achievement was the fact that we were able to brand ourselves as the number one in the sector, thus attracting a lot of food companies. And then we helped them raise over $2 billion. There is a lot that you can do with the you know, $2 billion. Many of the projects are doing very, very well. I think that you can, we contribute a lot to projects such as uh, Black Moon and Waves and Bancor. I'm not saying that these projects exist because of us. If you get good PR early on and you establish yourself as a good, viable player in the sector, you benefit from the long haul. And I'm very proud that we help many, many companies be successful right now. Do you think that a company needs to have, let's say, one person or several people that are star quality, like Steve Jobs or Elon Musk? And if they don't have that person, can they be successful? Well, that will always be very helpful, but it's not a must. I mean, uh, you have quite a few projects and then you're not familiar with the specific person that is heading the organization and they're still doing very, very well. I have quite a few companies coming to me saying, listen, so this is the CEO, but he's kind of shy and he, would li- he wouldn't like to be in the limelight. So what do you think about it? And I always tell them that I think that it's not a good idea. So if they're concerned and need some media training, we can do that. If you will come to our office, you will see a, a TV screen at the lobby. And there is a video reel there showing our clients in studio interviews. And you look and you see you know, a very young individual speaking in Bloomberg and Fox News. CNBC, and it appears as if they were born in the studio, but that's not the case. I mean, it's it's just a matter of uh, media training. Once you get confident enough, then you can handle yourself with the media quite easily. Got it. All right, let's talk about PR and give some value to startups that are listening. What are your top tips? I have three tips for you and for your listeners. The first tip is it has to do with newsjacking, and that means that you don't always have to invent the news. The news is already out there. If you're wise enough to tie your business, your idea, your startup, your product to the news, which is already out there, then it's going to make your life so much easier. We did that quite a few times. We even produced a nice video about a product called Whipler. This is something that we did for the founders of PumaPay. And it worked very well for us. So remember, you don't have to invent the news. The news is already out there. If you can tie up your product, your startup, your brand to the news, which is already out there, you're going to get coverage and it's going to make your life much easier. Now, the second tip is that it doesn't really matter what you want to say, but rather what people want to hear. And a good example for that will be a company called Strodat. They're specializing with fast charging battery. And that was a challenge for us to convey their message to the crowd because they're dealing with the nanodot technology, which is super complex and very hard to understand. But once we were able to communicate the fact that they can help your phone survive the entire day in your pocket without running out of a battery, then we created a PR storm around it. And the third tip, it's not really important what people say about you, but rather Who's saying that about you? And a very good example would be what we did for the Yo app with Robert Scoble. I don't know if you remember the Yo app, but we brought Robert Scoble to Israel and he saw the app and he uploaded one status to his Facebook account. And I still remember it by heart. He wrote, I just saw the stupidest but most addicting app ever. Name, 
yo. Yeah. And now that's not a positive. I mean, the stupidest up ever is not a positive. But since Robert Scholl wrote it, and since he was at the height of his ability to influence people, yeah. it was caught up really quickly. And within a week, we captured the number one in all the app stores worldwide, from America to Zambia, the yo, the silly yo app was the number one because of that. So remember, it's not really important what they say about you, but rather who's going to say it. And you can see it now in Bitcoin as well. You when you see, see Elon Musk you can talking see about Clubhouse Bitcoin. too, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. So newsjacking. It's not important what you want to say, but rather what people want to hear. And third, it's not what they say about you, but who will say that about you. Remember that. Awesome. So one thing that really frustrates me in the crypto world is that I see a lot of PR that makes me kind of raise an eyebrow and say, what? Like one that talk about partnerships or investments that haven't happened yet and are about to happen. Like we're going to invest $10 billion in Bitcoin and in this, you know, especially if they have so many zeros, you know, that I wonder if I'm seeing double or triple. Do you chuckle at those or, you know, like, what do you think about you know, companies and people chuckle. Just, yeah. Do you chuckle or do you cry? <laughs> chuckle like a madman. And I can tell you how that specifically actually happens. Yeah. Now, as I told you, the main difference between us and some of the other crypto and blockchain PR companies is that we have been around for 15 years mm-hmm. and we are very proud with our relationships. So all the coverage that we are securing for our clients, is 100% organic based on our relationship with those writers and editors. However, many of the other crypto agencies that are uh, operating right now open shop sometimes in the past two or three years when the total market cap of cryptocurrencies have risen above 20 or $30 billion, and they don't have those relationships. So unfortunately, they pay money for coverage. Once you pay money for coverage, you know, the journalist, whoever is picking up the story, mainly losing his uh, journalistic integrity and will write whatever it is that you want him to write. And this is how you're getting this ridiculous story, which are not happening. Probably will never happen. And they're still capturing the headline. Yeah, I know. It's insane. I decided to stop screaming off the rooftops and just let it go and smile. So how should companies contact journalists, if at all? Can they establish relationships with journalists directly? Yeah. So I think, yes, if you have the time and you have the skill and you have the ability to network, go ahead and do that. However, usually a CEO of a startup like yourself will be busy with handling their startup. So the short answer is absolutely. And that's so much easier when you have offline events and you don't have a COVID situation worldwide because you go to conferences, you meet a journalist, have a couple of drinks with them, you meet them at VIP events or whatnot or the parties, and then you're able to form some sort of a personal relationship and he or she will remember you and you'll send them the story if it's solid, that they will pick it up. Right now, it's more challenging. Also, Many professionals are not going to have the time to do that themselves. I mean, I have an air condition here, and if it's getting broke, I can go ahead and try and fix it. Maybe I'll succeed, but I actually rather invite a AC technician to fix it for me. So you should consider PR agency as your AC technician for uh, PR and allow them to do uh, that work for you. Yeah, image technician. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> brand technician. So how does PR industry operate nowadays? You touched a little bit on that, but what are some basics of PR, especially, let's say, what you tell your clients to go and learn up on before they start working with you? Yeah. So this is what I'm telling you. The idea is to be constantly in their target audiences top of mind. And I don't really care if their target audience are potential investors or potential partners or just the end users. The idea is to keep pounding the press about your company. And this is why we're recommending companies, startups mainly, to have at least one major PR cycle per month and then have another one the following month and so forth. Usually, I don't recommend for startup to create a plan which is longer than a quarterly plan because things are going to change so rapidly in startup that it's pointless to create an annual plan. With more established companies, you can actually create annual plan. But for startups, a quarterly plan will suffice. So we need to determine what will be the various PR cycles. So I'm assuming that the first PR cycle is going to be, hey, congratulations, we launched. And then the second cycle is going to be, hey, we raised, I don't know, $1.5 million dollars. And the third cycle is going to be this and that and that guy joined our board and so forth. Now, you should probably find the time to go to about two conferences per quarter. Mm-hmm. It's important to establish relationships. I also make sure to meet the press within those events. And obviously, if I have anything interesting to say at that particular time, you should expect to see press coverage as a result. And last but not least, you should simultaneously at any given time work on a thought leadership write-up. Sometime with something which will be byline under your name, because this is how you can prove the world that you have the potential, you know, to lead the sector, you have the knowledge that is necessary, you know, to work within your industry, you have a proper vision for the future of the sector, all that is going to be super important for your ability, again, to do anything from raising additional funds, to signing potential partnership to getting end user. So one major PR cycle per month, about two events in a quarter. And at any given time, you should work on a thought leadership writer. If you will do that, then your PR is going to be solid, regardless if you're going to do it by yourself or get the assistance of a PR agency. That's awesome. Those are really, really top and concise tips. I love it. So I have one last PR-related question. You know, if a company has a budget that's limited, should they focus on, let's say, traditional journalists and PR Should they focus on getting influencers on board or should they focus on, let's say, publishers, like you mentioned, also Tabula and so on? Like, what should you focus your attention on? So again, as I told you at the beginning of the podcast, it should be a holistic solution. It should be a mix of everything. I think that the most efficient method to bring your project forward will be earned media, which is PR. So obviously you need to focus on journalists and their editors, but working with influencers, despite the fact that they're getting paid or paid media is going to help your uh, bottom line as well. So it should be a mix of both, but focus on journalists. I love it. So my last question to you, Moti, is about what you usually do at the end of your panels when you moderate. And I had the pleasure to be at least at one, and I think probably a few of your panels. You always ask, you always end the panel by asking for people's predictions on the price of Bitcoin. Has any of them been right? Never, ever. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Were they under? You know, people sit on those panels and everybody is so smart and so knowledgeable. But then when they need to predict the price of Bitcoin, they have no idea. Everybody is undershooting or overshooting. But it's still a, a fun question. And, you know, 
give you at least an idea of what other people think. But if I would ask you last year, what do you think would be the price of Bitcoin? You would never say 58, you know, a thousand or, or not even 38,000 and see where we are right now. Again, I have no idea where we'll be next year. Hopefully higher. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. You know what? You inspired me to go back and look at the video of our panel. <laughs> to compare. <laughs> to me. I'm curious as well. What I said. I'm, I'll let you know. Well, Moti, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for coming on today. So we were on the Block Solid podcast with Moti Pear of Reblonde. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or by visiting our website at solidblog.co slash podcast. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to rate and review and spread the word. Thank you.